Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. So one of the coolest things that's been happening at River Valley uh, these days is just the amount of children that we have, particularly uh, like babies. There's uh, In this service, there's usually, in, in our nursery area, there's usually 12 or more babies. Uh, we've had over 200 children the last few weeks in our children's ministry. And so God has truly, truly blessed us uh, with a new generation of people coming to faith in Jesus. So that's exciting, isn't it? I love it. I love it. So... When I was, um, I had basically flunked out of Texas Tech, and I was working for a company, but I had finally given, got my life on track through Jesus Christ. Man, I had started serving the Lord, and I was hungry. Every single Bible study I could go to, every single church service, like I was hungry for the things of God. I was loving serving Jesus. But I was working for a company, and I had to work a lot of weekends. And so I'll never forget this one weekend, and I was, uh, I was uh, working, but I had to work on a Sunday, so I had to miss church. And man, I wanted to be at church, and so I was praying that morning. I was like, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to do something great for the kingdom of God, and I'm making copies. And I want to serve you. God, please help me and let me serve you even today. So I went on about my business uh, about noon, got done for the day, and was going home. And uh, on the way home, I saw two men by the side of the road, and they were collecting aluminum cans. And they looked homeless to me. And God said, if you want to serve me, there I am. Whoa, God, I was talking like church. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I mean, that, that seems like a little bit extreme for me. I, I, God told me, I want you to go. I want you to tell these guys about me. I had never done anything remotely like that. It scared me to death. What's going to happen? What's going to end up? What would I say? I don't know the, the right words, but God, I mean, it was so clear. God was like, this is your opportunity. So I pulled over the side of the road, said, hey guys, I'm going to go uh, grab a bite to eat. Thought I might uh, offer to buy you lunch. Sure. So they jump in. So I extend my hand to the guy in front. His name is Alton. Introduce myself. Extend my hand to the guy in the back. His name is Alvin, but I don't know that because uh, he mumbled really bad. It was really hard to understand him. And uh, Alton and Alvin were brothers. And uh, Alton said, uh, you have to excuse him. A few years ago, he got crossways with a, a gang and they cut out part of his tongue. And so, so, but you could understand him a little bit, but his brother could understand him. And so he would often talk and then Alton would tell me what he said. So, so here we go to lunch. We're sitting there at lunch and I kind of mess with my food a little bit, but my heart is just, it is pounding in my chest because Jesus is telling me to witness to these two guys. And I've never done that before. I never talked to Jesus or tried to win someone to Jesus in that way. And I mean, God is just, I mean, overwhelming the sense of urgency. This is what you need to do. And, and I just, Lord, I don't know what to do. And just this, this whole back and forth inner dialogue that's going on. At the end of lunch, I said, you know, uh, what, can I drop you guys off somewhere? They said, yeah, we live, you know, around here. Would you take us home? Sure. So I about decided I was not going to witness to them at this point. I had bought them lunch. I was in college. I mean, you know, like that's, that's a big deal. I didn't have a lot of money. So that's, that's pretty good. That's enough. And, and God was telling me to witness to them, but I about decided I wasn't going to 
till I opened the door to let them uh, on, the, on the passenger side to let them in. The night before, I'd been at my grandparents' house, and I'd taken some Christian books off my grandmother's shelf that she said I could read. And I took them inside, but one of them uh, had, had must have gone under the seat, and then later on when I stopped, had come back. So when I opened the door, God's telling me to witness to them, and I've decided, no, I'm not going to witness to them. And this was the book that was in the floorboard. This book's title is, You Can Witness with Confidence. <laughs> And God said, Cody, you can witness with confidence. I was like, really, God, the sliding book trick, you, you know? Like, and, and this was in the floorboard, and I picked it up, and I knew God was saying, you can do this, Cody. You can share your faith. You can tell other people about me. You can do this. You can have the confidence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not how good your words are. It's the gospel. And so, I, okay, here I go. So we're driving home. And uh, I look at them and I say, hey guys, uh, what do you guys know about Jesus? No, that was it. What do you guys know about Jesus? And Alton said, when we were really little, um, our mother died. And it was an extended death, so, so we were with her for a while. But we remember that she said us, she brought us in one time when she was close to death. And we were scared that we were going to lose her. And she said, I'm going to heaven. And she says, someday when you get older... She said, I want you to know somebody's going to come and they're going to tell you about Jesus and I want you to listen because I want you to be in heaven with me. And I looked at them and I said, today's that day. And I told them about Jesus, what he had done in my life. I told them about his crucifixion for their sins, his burial and his resurrection. By that time we had pulled up in front of their house, a little, little shack, and uh, I said, would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord? And they said, yes, we would. We want to see our mother. And so I leaned over and I, I said, Alton, why don't you pray first? And I led him in a prayer to pray to have Jesus come into his life. And he prayed that prayer. And I said, Alton, or Alvin, why don't you pray? And he mumbled this prayer, but I know that God heard it. And both of those guys got saved that day in my car. And uh, I got to be honest with you. Boom! It lit me up. There is nothing like winning people to Jesus Christ. There is nothing like telling people the good news of what God has done for them in their life and watching his unbelievable sacrifice on the cross be brought through your words and him use you to bring somebody to Jesus Christ. I mean, I was electrified. I couldn't get enough of it. I mean, I started witnessing to people. I started seeing people come to faith in Jesus Christ, and it was wonderful. And I've, I've, that energy and that excitement has never died for me. I love seeing people come to faith in Jesus Christ. I love seeing believers mature in Jesus Christ. I love being a part of what God is doing, and I, I can't believe that he uses me to do it. A few years after that, I was, uh, somebody had mentioned that they had a life verse, and I'd never heard of that, and I thought, Man, that sounds like a great thing, you know, a verse that kind of, this is what you're about in your life. And so I started reading all these verses, and I was talking to people, and they're like, oh, here's a good verse, here's a good verse, and all great verses. But I, I knew that it wasn't quite for me until one day I came across the verse that we're going to read this morning. We're going to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. This is my life verse. This is the verse that I think encapsulates why God has placed 
me here. And as we continue in our series, Christian Concarni, we're going to look at, at us as believers in faith, that what does it look like to be a Christian with flesh, a Christian with meat on, and how are we to use that in the world? And so this is my life first, 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Although I am free from all and not anyone's slave, I have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. That phrase right there, to win more people, that's my motto. That's why God put me here, to win more people. Man, I love that what God is doing right now. I love how God is using us. I love uh, that you are here this morning, but I'm here to tell you, I want to see more people next week. <laughs> I want to see more people in the kingdom of God because it really does, we really are talking about heaven and hell. We really are talking about an eternity with God and how wonderful he can rearrange and reorder your life and bring from the chaos of your own decisions and such greatness that he did in my life. And so we exist to win more people. I want to win more people to Jesus. Man, that's why we are here. If you're a guest with us this morning, man, we want you to join us. We want you to come on a spiritual journey with us and to see Christ open up in your life. We want us as a group to say we want to win more people. Now, what does that look like? Paul's going to lead us in the rest of this text to look at what does it look like on a practical sense to see God help you, help us reach people who are apart from God, help them, and connect them to Jesus. Reaching, helping, connecting. What does that look like on a practical sense when we really and truly say we want to reach more people? Verse 10. How, this is how he does it. He says, to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win those, uh, to win the Jews, those under the law, like one under the law, although I myself am not under the law, to win those under the law, to those who uh, are without the law, like one without the law, though I am without God's law, but under the law of Christ to win those without the law. To those, uh, to the weak, I became weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that I may by every possible means save some. Now I do this because of the gospel so that I may share in its blessings. Paul says a couple things here that I want us to see today about what it looks like to win people to Jesus Christ, to truly care about people's eternal salvation. He says, first of all, I look and I see what are the people I'm talking to? Who are they? Are they the Jews? Are they the ones that are under the law? The Jews, Jews are under the Old Testament law. Are they people without the law? So they don't care. Are they weak? So, so I'm not going to come across very strong and aggressive to them. I look at who they are, and I begin that as my journey of winning them to faith. So here's how I wrote it. Start where they are, not where you want them to be. We live in a world right now that says, I want to know how you vote I want to know where you live. I want to know your answer to all of these moral questions of the day. I want to know how you think and what you say. And if we agree in every single one of these, then we can start a relationship. That's what we do. We look at people and we are completely polarized. We are completely outcast from people who are different than us. And Paul says, that's never the way to start a relationship to win people to Jesus Christ. I accommodate who I am so that I can bring them the gospel. Now, make no doubt about it. This isn't compromise, guys. Don't go, here's your washing. I'm not. All right? I'm, we're not. That's not saying that, what those, that who you vote for or what you think about, about the moral uh, um, issues of our day doesn't matter. That's not what I'm saying at all. 
I'm saying that even if you get those people to agree with you every single one of the ways that you do life, they still don't know Jesus. They still don't have the main thing in their life, which is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And frankly, once we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he begins to change us. He begins to transform us. Some of our old views and old ways of thinking come around to some new views and new ways of thinking. But if we make sure that they know about this and what we believe on this and how we vote on this and who we think should be in this office, then we're going to lose them completely. Start where people are. Start where they are and build a relationship with them along that path. Now, here's how Paul did it. He was amazing at it. In the book of Acts, in verse 17, Paul goes to the city of Athens. 300 years before, you've got Plato, Aristotle, and Socrates. So this is a town that is rife with philosophy and all of these different gods and all. They love to talk about how to think. That's what Athens is known for. And Paul goes there and he sees a, a temple to this God and a statue to this God. And everywhere these, there's these uh, monuments or idols of these different gods. And everywhere in this town they're covered. In fact, they have one that says to an unknown God. In other words, they're afraid that there's a God up in heaven that they don't know about, so they make a statue to an unknown God so that if God does something, goes, where's my statue? You go, right there. Yeah, it's an unknown, right? And so, so Paul, Paul uses that as a building block. He doesn't say, oh, you people, look at all this idolatry. There's, you're saying there's hundreds of gods. There's one God. He doesn't start that. That's true, and that's important, but he starts where they are. He says, hey, you've got this, this statue over here, this unknown God. Let me tell you about him. His name is Jesus, and he begins, and he leads them to faith in Christ by starting where they are. You're going to get to all of those other things. They're important, but they're not the first thing. This is start where they are. Who is it in your life right now that we sometimes can isolate? Who is it sometimes that you can not want to be around? Who is it that you, you don't want to talk to because they're very different than you? Politics does this a lot to us in these days. If you don't find a common ground, then you're never going to be one to win more people to Jesus Christ. And God put you in your neighborhood for that reason. God puts you in your job for that reason. God puts you in your friend group, in your golf group, in your hunting group, in your hanging out on Friday night group. God puts you there for that very reason. God puts you in the middle of your family for that reason, to win more people. What is the common ground for you to start from? Now, we have a cool opportunity uh, this uh, that's happening just starting this week within our church to, to live this out. So, um, this actually, this ministry is starting just this week. So there's a, a group of a women uh, in Lockhart, about 100 women, and there's a ministry there called Empowering Women Out of Prison. And so about 100 women are incarcerated there in Lockhart, but we are partnering with them. And so they will be getting our worship services, the whole thing, so they'll be able to worship uh, with us. They'll be able to see our teaching. They'll get our group curriculum to be able to, to have discussions and everything. And they are watching, and we are filming, and they're going to watch right now. We are so excited that you are here today. So we are thankful. Amen. <laughs> We want you to know that if you're one of the women who's watching us in Lockhart, it is not us and you. It's just us. 
We are here together for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we are so thankful that God has given us the opportunity to partner with you to see Jesus Christ flourish in your life. I'm going to be out soon, uh, Lord willing, to talk with you and to get to meet you in person, but until then, we want you to know that we are so thankful that you get to be a part of what God is doing at River Valley. Amen? Yeah. So that's cool, isn't it? That is an awesome, awesome opportunity for us to share the gospel. For us to share the gospel, to win more people, we've got to start where they're. Who's God putting on your heart right now? Who are you thinking about? Who are you like, man, I've got to reestablish this relationship. I've got to quit ignoring this person. Who is it that you're like, I've invited this person and I've talked to this person 28 times about Jesus. Well, let's make it 29. Who is it that God is placing in your life right now for this very reason? For this very reason to win more people. And how can you start that relationship. Now, it's one thing to start, but here's the second point. Paul says, I do all this for the sake of the gospel. The gospel is the win. The gospel is the win. Please be careful with this. It's great. You know, like when I, when I met Alton and Alvin, I so wanted to go. I bought them lunch. That's a pretty good, that's pretty nice of me. I mean, that's pretty good, but that's not the win. The win is sharing who Jesus Christ is. The win is not making sure that someone gets physically fed only, but spiritually fed. And so I called our friends at uh, Feed the Need Mission. So uh, you heard about their conference coming up. If you want to sign up for that, it's right out here uh, in the lobby. You can do that. But I called uh, Jonah, the president, this week, and I asked him, I said, hey, tell me, tell me something. How many people did you, uh, for Feed the Need, how many people did y'all approximately feed last week. And he said approximately 1,700 people they fed last week. That's amazing, isn't it? That is a true ministry. But here's the deal. Here's what I know about Feed the Need. The burger is just a tool. The burger is just a tool in order to be able to share and to help people either know Jesus Christ or to grow in their faith. So it's not about 1,700 hamburgers 1,700 meals, it's about 1,700 people and the opportunity that that hamburger or that meal opens up to them so that we can share their faith. So, so instead of celebrating just the meals, I was like, hey, give me a great story of a recent win. And he said, all right, here's one. And so I want to introduce you to Patrick. This is Patrick from Smithville. He is excited for life. So, um, we got permission with Patrick to share uh, his testimony. So Patrick started coming in the fall of last year to, to Smithville. At first he was on the edge, and then they noticed that, that uh, he was there early. And he would be there early waiting, and then, and then he would be there early, and he had talked to some other people, and they'd be with him. And then they, uh, uh, the, the people at Feed the Need began to talk with him, and then Patrick began to help, and then Patrick began to stay after for Bible study and prayer time. And they said, what we figured out about Patrick was he wasn't there for the meal. He was there for the community. He was there for the relationships. And as they began to use those relationships to talk to Patrick about Jesus, he began attending their Bible studies and their prayer times. And, and now they say, Patrick's not only the first one there, but he's also the one who's helping throughout the evening. Why? What's the win there? That Patrick's fed? No, that Patrick will be in heaven with you and I for all of eternity. The gospel is the win. The gospel is the win. Now, here's why that's so important. Man, you use that opening 
way to get to people, but you've got to be careful that you truly, truly care about people's salvation, that you truly care about what God is doing in their life. Paul's going to go on from here. I I wrote a longer sermon. I had to kind of condense it, but he's going to go on from here, and he's going to say, you know what? Some of you, uh, you need to understand that, that you need to think of this like a race, and there's, there's winners and losers in a race. I have a coach that says there's winners and losers, and you're one of them. Uh, think about that. So, But that's what Paul is saying. But you got to understand the context here, because he's not saying worldly win, like, oh, I'm a winner because I'm successful, and I've got money, and I look good, and I live in the right house, or whatever else you might measure. Paul says winners and losers in this context is how we relate to the lost. Do we care? So you're beginning to be a winner when you're simply bothered by the fact that people are lost in the world. And then Paul says, look, if you don't care, then you're just a loser. That you are totally lost in the kingdom of God. Be careful. We care about those who do not know Jesus Christ. So if you're tracking with me so far in the sermon, especially if you're a guest, uh, someone who doesn't know uh, Jesus, you don't have faith yet then you're basically noticing by this point, hey, they're sort of talking about me. Uh, You're sitting there thinking, man, and we are. If you're a guest today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, we want you to know, man, we're so glad you're here. We love that God brought you here. We want you to be a part of what God is doing here. We exist. We want, I exist as a person to win you to faith in Jesus Christ. And so instead of closing today by giving you a big charge to go out and do uh, something tomorrow for the gospel, something tomorrow so that people come to faith, you know what you need to do. We'll pray at the the end. We're just going to finish up today, and I want to talk to you. If you're a guest with us, if you're new to Christianity, if you're sitting there and saying, you know what, I really don't know. My my conviction is, is that so many people in our community it's not that you know who Jesus is and what he did for you and you decided no. You, you, you were, um, you've rejected a form of Christianity. Somebody said something one time, somebody did something, you had a bad church experience or you lived next door to some people who claimed to be, in, or to claim to be Christians but they lived very a different kind of life than you would have thought a Christian would have lived. And that's really, that's kind of more what you've rejected than the actual gospel. Most people don't know it. So, here it is. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and on the third day he came alive according to the scriptures. Jesus died for our sins. Let's be personal. Jesus died for your sin. Think about that. How old are you? I'm 49. You know how much sin you can do in 49 years? The answer is a tremendous amount. Almost an unfathomable amount of sin. And if you were to take your life or my life in its entirety, and you were to put all of the sin of your life all together in one place, it would be an overwhelming amount and for you to go, well, but I'll do better. Well, it doesn't do anything about this sin that you've already done. What are you going to do with all of this sin? What are you going to do with all of the mistakes that you've done in your life? Not just the things that you, you did, but the things that you should have done or shouldn't have done. That you, you know, like, I should have done this, but I didn't. And then you know, I remember when I did this. And all of that sin together. 
The Bible says that when God, Jesus went to the cross, when he was nailed to the cross, that God the Father heaped on him the wrath of God. That all of my sin, all of your sin, all of this incredible amount was put upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ. And God unleashed his wrath. God the Father unleashed his wrath on God the Son for our sins. Jesus died for our sins. You cannot be saved until you understand that you are lost. That you are lost without Christ. There's nothing that you can do to get rid of this sin. Even if you could be better. There's nothing you can do to get rid of the sin that you've already committed. Only Jesus on the cross does that. Christ died for sins. It's only when you understand that he did that. And only when you say, Jesus, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to live this life anymore. And I cannot promise you to do better tomorrow. I just need to please, Jesus, take my sin away. Take it away from me. Martin Luther says that's when the great exchange happens. Jesus takes all of your sin upon himself on his death on the cross. He takes all of the wrath of God, all of the consequences, all that you deserve from doing those sin. He takes it upon himself and Jesus exchanges that and gives you in its place his righteousness, his holiness, his forgiveness. So that you can now have a relationship with God as if you never sinned. That's unbelievable. That God would not just forgive me for my sin, but would now treat me as if I had never sinned at all. And have a relationship with the Father as if I had never sinned. In fact, when I die, Jesus says, you will be a co-heir with me. You will get what God himself only deserves. He will lavish on you the gifts of heaven. The great exchange is you giving Jesus your sin and letting Jesus give you his righteousness. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So today, if you would confess Jesus, you are Lord. Not just the, the Lord of the universe, he absolutely is, but the Lord of my life. Jesus, you are the Lord of everything. You get what I think, what I say, what I look at, what I listen to, what I do, where I go. You get it all, Jesus. Please take my sin from me, and may I please have the righteousness of Christ. The Bible says that when we call on the name of the Lord, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The good news for you today is if you're a guest, if you're new to Christianity, is that you can be saved, is that Jesus died for you to give you eternal life. So I'm going to invite you. This is how we're ending today. This is all we're doing in this moment. I'm going to invite you and lead you in a series of prayers. So I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. I just want you to block out the distractions in doing that. Have you ever made that decision to let Jesus Christ be the Lord of your life? You have to be old enough to do it for yourself. Your parents cannot do it for you. No one can let the Lord of your life be anyone but you. So have you ever done that when you were old enough to do that? Did you understand your own sinfulness? 
and that you are giving Jesus your sin and letting Christ give him, uh, giving you his righteousness. If you've never made that conscious decision, look, you don't evolve into Christianity. You don't go, well, I must be a Christian by now. I've been around church for quite some time. If you've never made that conscious decision to say, Jesus, be my Lord, forgive my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. Then you are not saved. Use this moment to get saved, to give Jesus your life as your Lord. So right where you are today, today, if you would like to have Jesus Christ come into your life and be your Lord, all the heads are bowed, all the eyes are closed, nobody's looking around, but I want to know who you are because I want to lead you in a prayer. So I'm going to ask you for boldness today. If you want to give your life to Jesus Christ in this moment, understanding that what that means, then I'm going to invite you right where you are to have some boldness, and I'm going to invite you to just raise your hand and look at me so that I can see you. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. I just want to know who you are. Raise your hand and look at me. Good. Thank you. Who else? Good. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Who else? Let me see your face. Hi. I see you in the back. Thank you. Good. Anyone else? Be bold. You're going to stand for Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to stand, but figuratively. (laughs) All right. Anyone else? There you go. Hey, buddy. Nice. Good. Thank you. I see you. Good. Anyone else? It's a sovereign moment. Those of you that raised your hands, I'm going to invite you to pray along with me. Good. Thank you. I see you. And just pray and ask Jesus to come into your life and be your Lord. You pray with me right now. Dear Jesus, Come into my life. Jesus, be my Lord. Forgive my sin. Declare to Jesus right now, I believe that you died for me. Tell him, I believe that you were raised, that you were resurrected. When you call on him, say, thank you for giving me eternal life. Now, for those of you who are already in faith in Jesus, and that's a lot of you here on a Sunday morning, my guess is that some of us need to confess a real lack of emphasis of who God has put us around. In other words, You look up and you think, you know what? I go to my job, I go to school, I go to my family, I live in my neighborhood, but I do not think about how people will spend eternity. I'm talking about the people that I know their name. Some of us just need to confess, God, I've not had a priority of who it is that you would want me to invest in for the kingdom of God. I've gotten distracted by the things of the world. Some of you, you are burdened for those people because you have been doing it. Pray for them right now. Pray for their salvation. Pray for their eternity. Pray for us as a church. We are about reaching people, helping people, and connecting people to Jesus. Pray that we would be a reaching church. God, we are thankful for who is here. But we ask you boldly for who is not. 
God, we want to see our friends, our family, our coworkers, our neighbors come to faith in Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.